Today, as we look back at yesterday and the many things and ceremonies that took place across the United States, as we remember what happened 20 years ago, and we're constantly reminded that we have to be on guard. But there are some of us who don't focus on yesterday. We focus on the future. We focus on tomorrow. But you know what? God says we don't have the promise of tomorrow. But yet we try to plan for tomorrow. We can always remember what happened yesterday, but you can't know what to plan on tomorrow. You don't know what's ahead of you. None of us know what's ahead of us. But looking back, it seems to help us to change things about the direction in which we're heading. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. Having looked at the past, let us praise God and go on. Let us move forward. You see, whatever God has done is all to his glory. Whatever God is going to do is going to be for his glory. Amen? Not, not our own. So this morning I want to talk about some things to remember. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. This chapter actually deals with God commissioning or God commissions Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twine he covered his face, and with twine he covered his feet. And with twine he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled me, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved, and the voice of him that cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I have a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sins purged. Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, tell the people, Hear ye indeed, 
but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Father, I thank you for these words that you have spoken to us this morning. Lord, I pray that we will be encouraged. Father, we will understand what it is to remember. Father, help us to remember all thy words. Lord, help us to keep them within our heart that we would not sin against you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we see here in verses 1 through 4, Isaiah's lofty view of God. He gives us a sense of God's greatness, mystery, and power. Isaiah's example of recognizing his sinfulness before God encourages us to confess our sins. His picture of forgiveness reminds us that we too are forgiven when we have recognized how great our God is and how sinful we are. You see, in the year that King Uzziah died, Uzziah was a great and powerful king. And when Uzziah died, he saw the Lord. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. You see... King Uzziah's death was approximately 700 B.C. He died of leprosy trying to take over the high priest's duties. He was stepping outside of his realm. See, a lot of times it kind of pictures us as Christians. A lot of times we step outside of the realm of where God wants us to be. We think this is what we're doing for God. We say this is what we're doing for God, but yet God had not asked you to do such a thing. And so when we step out of sight of God's will, things begin to happen. The cookie begins to crumble, so they say. But what is God really like? What is God like? I'm sure I could ask each one of you in this room, what is God like? And each one of you would have a different depiction of what God is like. To some, he's just a supreme being out there. To others, he's like an indulgent grandfather. Now, God's old. He can't understand what we're going through today. I mean, things have changed. So God has to change. We're always told. What are we always told? We have to change with the future. We have to change with, the, with how the world is changing. We got we to gotta, we gotta begin to... To, to blend in. But we have to be reminded that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. But yet, we're expected to change with society. Well, I don't change with society. Yes, there are many times that I, I bunk the system, and you know it. Okay? We were, churches were shutting down left and right, and told to stay home, and I did. I refused. Why? Because God's people are commanded to come together, to worship together. Forsake not the fellowship of gathering together as some of you are in the habit of doing. I couldn't do it. We did it in a safe way. We did what was asked of us 
to do, but we kept on. Because that's what God required us to do. It's not what my president required of me to do. It's not what my governor required of me. It wasn't what the Palm Beach County Commission required of me to do. I have to do what God requires me to do. And see, you, unfortunately, or I should say fortunately, because you are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to do what God commands you to do. Because when you go against the flow of things, of what God expects you to do, Things will happen. And then when something begins to fall apart, the first thing we say is, Oh God, where are you? He's the same place he's always been. He's not changed. To some, he is a force that started everything and then just left. God's not that way. You think, you think he put this whole thing together and just said, okay, you guys are on your own? Yes, there are many across this country, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people that have left God. But God has not left them. Why, some even refer to him as, and you've probably heard this one, it's one of the most famous, the man upstairs. I can't stand it when people tell me that. Because see, then that puts me into a challenge mode. Well, you know, the man upstairs, who's that? What stairs are you talking about? Oh yeah, that's right. The scripture talks is about stairs. But what's there? what man upstairs are you talking about? Who is he? See, I, I, I challenge them. I want them to say the name Jesus. Why? Because his name is to be honored and respected. People don't respect the name of Jesus. People don't respect God. And so I, I have to force it in. I don't know if that's going against the flow of things or going to the system. What I don't know. But I know that I respect the Lord Jesus Christ. I respect his word. Because why? His word speaks life. Not death, but speaks life into me. But Isaiah found him to be the thrice holy God. When he hears the seraphim saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, the sin in the garden couldn't be excused. What took place there, God could not overlook. When Eve took that precious piece of fruit from the tree that she was not supposed to eat from, and she took it and she gave it to Adam, Adam knew he wasn't supposed to take of it, but he did. See, you know it upsets me sometimes when I hear it say, it's the woman's fault. Well, I think if the man had been stronger, she probably wouldn't have taken that fruit. You ever thought of that? But he didn't have to partake of that fruit. But he did. The people of Noah's day couldn't be allowed to live. They, they couldn't load up that boat like we loaded up airplanes flying out of Afghanistan. All these people, he didn't hire a big boat company to come in and build the ark. 
He took him and his sons and they built the ark and got in the ark as God had commanded them to do. He didn't say, oh, and by the way, can you grab the governors of this country and, and, and grab some people from over here in this tribe? And, and oh, uh, there's some people in the backwoods that have never heard of me. Just brag, bring some of them along too. No, he didn't say that. You see, when God flooded the earth, they all perished. The sin of Noah's day couldn't go unpunished. They couldn't, it couldn't be excused. The sins of Sodom and Gomorrah could not stand. The wickedness was so great. But let me say something, church. How can America stand in the wickedness that we're, that we're dealing with today? And we repeatedly say, God bless America. How can God bless America? When we're promoting same-sex marriages, we're now letting same-sex people or couples get married now. There's a governor in one state that him and his partner adopted two children, babies. I'm thinking, what is wrong with us? What's wrong with this country? This is a country that is founded on God's principles and all of God's word. And here we are just turning the tables upside down. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, oh, that pastor, he's a radicalist. And I'm sure there are many out there that think that way about me. But church, where in God's word does it tell us to live sinful lives? We're not to live sinful lives. We're, to, we're, we're called to be set apart. We're to stand out. You're to be the pillar of your community. And if you're not the pillar of your community, shame on you. Because you should be standing strongly on the foundation of God's word. You should be a beacon of light and hope in your community. People should know that you're a Christian. I'm not ashamed for people to know that I'm Christian. Matter of fact, yesterday when I was, I was going out to study, came by the church and they had something going on here. And I said, like, I can't go there. So I went by the church office over there. I said, I'll study over there. They had something going on over there. I said, I can't study there. So I went home. I can't study at home. So I went to the clubhouse. They had this room, a media room. So I went in there and I closed the door and I was studying. One of the ladies that run the the clubhouse there, she came in, she said, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor David, I didn't know you were in here. I didn't know she knew I was a pastor. But apparently she did. I must have introduced myself one time or something. I don't know. Maybe she read my application when we moved in there. Who knows? And she closed the door back. And I continued to say, I got a lot done. Had a lot, good, great prayer time in there, too. I prayed that God would let us begin to stand out in that little community where we live. That God would start using us somehow boldly in that little community. Why? Because there are lives there that need to be changed. There are people there, I am sure, that are searching for Jesus Christ. And so in your own communities, in your own developments, there are people, I'm sure, that are seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. They just don't know who to turn to. But you can be that person that they can turn to. How? By just starting to get to know who they are. 
getting to know their situations. I know over where Karen lives, Lee Chant used to live next door. And Lee Chant, man, that, that woman was a missionary. She knew her neighbors. And guess what? Her neighbors knew she was a Christian. She would always say, I'll pray for you. I'll let my pastor know to pray for you. She would call me and say, Pastor, I got these friends up from Canada. They just came down and and they were moving in and and the wife got sick and I just told them I would call you right away so we would pray for them. You see, we have to know. The community has to know who we are. Calvary's cross, the place where holiness and love met. How many of us reflect on Calvary's cross in the midst of our trials and tribulations, in the midst of the situations that we're going through in our life. How many of us reflect on the cross? How many of us say, oh Jesus, help me? I think we have to remember to keep a tender Christian conscience. Because we see here in verse 5, he says, then I said, woe is me. Listening to the praise of the angels, Isaiah realized this was a common and an unclean before God. With no hope of measuring up to God's standards of holiness. When his lips were touched with the burning coal, however, he was told his sins were forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, your sins are forgiven. Church, all we have to do is confess before the Lord Jesus Christ that he is Lord and you'll be saved. Confess the Lord. Get rid of those sinful natures. Get rid of that sinful nature that you have. Get rid of those sinful things in your life. Confess them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to help you because he's the the master. Of forgiveness. When Isaiah saw himself measured by God's standards, he saw Abraham, he, he reflected on the words of Abraham, I am but dust and ashes. Job, his words were, I am vile. Paul says, I am less than the least of all saints. And Peter's greatest words, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. You see, we must understand, we can never measure up to the standards of God. But we can strive. You hear me? We can strive to be clean. We can strive to live a holy life. We can strive to be a a person of clean lips and not unclean lips. But the Christian must keep a tender conscience. When we hear that first curse word, we should what? We should be saying, I rebuke that. I rebuke those words in Jesus' name. When you read your first questionable book, a book that has smut in it, as I would call it, 
You need to erase those thoughts from your mind. You need to ask Jesus to, to take those thoughts from your mind. You need to put that book down. I, don't put it down. Put it in the garbage. You see, we watch movies sometimes at home. And there's not a whole lot you can watch on TV anymore without a curse word flying here or there. And at one time, when we had cable, way back when, it was terrible. Finally, I said to Virginia, cut the cable off. I, I can't hear, I can't listen to this smut. And we did. We didn't watch TV for a long time. And then they came out with that little thing, you stick it on the wall, the little antenna, you stick on the wall, and you get all these digital channels. Now, I get Christian, you know, I used to have to pay for the Christian channels. Now I don't have to pay for them. They come for free. You stick it on the wall, and it's free. I, I think it's awesome. I said, see, Jesus wants me to have clean things in my home. He even gave it to me for free. Well, it wasn't exactly free. It cost me $10.99 for the little antenna. But still, I think, I think we have a choice. Church, we have a choice in what we put in up here. We have a choice what we allow to go in here. We have a choice to, to what we see. Let me tell you about what I see. I went to the eye doctor this week. I had a great time at the eye doctor. I love going to see Dr. Todd Erickson or whatever his name is. I go, that's who I go see. And so I went this week and I go in to check in and the girl says, you got uh, your insurance and, a, and an ID? I said, well, I have an insurance card but don't have my picture on it. They said, well, you got an ID? I said, well, they gave me this card with a picture on it so I can drive. I guess you could use that. She just was like, huh? Where's this guy coming from? Who let him out? So we go through the preliminary stuff and we get in the office and the girl, she takes my glasses and she goes like this. She squirts stuff on him. Looks at him again like this and she's three times. She does that. She asked me some questions. She said, I'm going to have you look at these, these letters. And you, you tell me, I can't see y'all too well. Everybody's a little fuzzy. But she stuck these things up to my eyes. And she said, I want you to read the letters on the card, the, all the letters that you see. And I said, okay, 2, 7, 11, 21, and 4. And she said, and she pulls the card out and looks at it. And she said, there are no numbers on here. I said, well, no, that's, that's, the, that's the number of the letter in the alphabet. That's where it is, falls in the line in the alphabet. And she said, you have that memorized? And I said, I cannot tell a lie. No, I just made the numbers up. She said, no, I need you to read the letters. And so, I, of course, she stuck it back in. I read the letters. She was chuckling, just like you did. So the doctor comes in and she's standing in there and he picks up my glasses. He looks at him and squirts them and cleans them twice. And he said, how do you see out of these things? I said, well, that's very simple. I put them on my face and open my eyes. 
And he started laughing. He said, no, they're so scratched up. How do you see anything out of them? I said, well, that's simple. He said, really? I said, yeah, you just look between the scratches. Of course, he laughed. He said, you know, I'm glad you're one of my last patients of the day. He said, because if I had to do this all day, they would lock me up. And he said, how's your church going? I said, well, God's church is going well. God's church is going well. How's your wife doing? I said, well, she had her first cornea transplant. And he said, yeah, they, they told me. Virginia sees the same eye doctor. And he said, but how is she doing? I said, well, first day home, she bent over and broke a stitch. She said, oh, no. I said, but she's doing well now. They fixed her all up again. They put a new eyeball in there, and she's good. He started laughing. He said, you know, I guess the Bible is true. Laughter is a merry medicine. He said, I'm feeling better now, and you're getting ready to leave. I said, yes, and so the secretary out there will feel better too because she's going to hit my wallet. And uh, I said, I want to keep the same glasses, though. I want to. And he said, you can't use those anymore. And I said, why? He said, well, they're bent and they've got a crack here. And he showed me and he said, what happened to them? I said, well, I sat on them a couple times. <laughs> he said, what'd you do that for? I said, because the seat wanted to see. I don't know. I just did. Happens. Anybody here ever done things like that with your glasses? Oh, see, I don't feel so bad now. I didn't feel bad then either, but just was that way. You see, when the first thought of lust lingers in your heart, you need to repent. When the first dishonest dollar lies in your hand, get rid of it. You see, that's not what God has for his children. That's not what God expects from those who are serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, you don't need to have that dishonest dollar because God says he will provide for you all that you have need of and he will give it to you. But so many times we, we well, I, I, I know it didn't come up. For instance, at the, at the grocery store a few weeks ago, the girl, she rang me out, and I paid her, and she gave me my change, and I'm, I'm the worst at this, and Virginia always tells me, check your change, don't you, honey? Make sure it's right. I'm such a bad habit. It's like I just put it in my hand, I take it, and I stick it in my pocket, and I go out the door. That's, that's what men do, okay, ladies? That's what men do. Maybe some ladies do it. I don't know, probably not that often, but men do it. And I was out in the car and I drove home and gave Virginia her stuff. And the next morning I was going to work and I said, you know, I think, I think I'm going to go get some breakfast this morning. I forgot how much change I had left. So I pulled it out. I remember giving the lady $40. And she gave me $39 and some change back. And listen, let me just tell you this. I remember the grocery bill was $39 and some change. And I was like... Oh, this is terrible. So 
on my way to work. I have to be to work at 7, but Publix doesn't open till 7. So I had to wait. So I go in, and I see the lady at the thing, and I told her, I said, listen, I was here a few days ago. The girl working at register number 6, I think it was, she, she gave me all this change. But she gave me as much change as my bill was. And she said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And she said, you sure you didn't give her a 50 and she gave you that change? I said, no, I'm, I, trust me, I'm sure about that. <laughs> and she said, well, I'll look into it. And I said, well, do you want the change back? And she said, well, no, because I have to look into it. I said, well, I'll stop back at the end of the day. And I'm sure she was thinking in her mind, he ain't coming back. Come on, honestly, right? That's what people think. But after work, I stopped back by there. I told, it was a new lady there. And I told her my situation. I was there in the morning, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I was trying to return the change. And she said, yes, I have a note here. Apparently, the lady listened to me. Wrote down, and sure enough, the girl's drawer was $39 and some change short. So I gave her the money. And you know what she said? I wish there were more honest people in the world today. If I would have kept that dishonest money, how was God supposed to bless me? You know how God blessed me? I don't talk about this much, but I got my paycheck this week and I got a raise. I was amazed. I wasn't expecting one. But God gave me a raise of $30 a week. You see, I think that when we, I don't think, I know, when you stay honest before the Lord, the Lord will continue to bless you. He says so. He will See, if we try him, when you, when you try him, when you pay your tithes, when you stay faithful before the Lord, he says, try him in this. See if there's not a, enough that he won't, he'll bless you so that, that you won't have room to hold it all. God wants us to stay faithful to his word as, though, as, as, as we are in the community. As faithful as we can be. You see, church, in verse 9, we have to remember this. Because in verse 9, it ends with this. And he said, go, tell his people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. What is he saying here? Remember the voice of God. You see, the voice is, of God is what deals with our conscience. You see, I think if, if we truly want to hear the word of God, if we truly want to hear from the Lord, then we need to be still and listen. We need to be clean and listen. And when we listen, God will talk to us. He may be calling you to serve him in the harvest. Are you listening for that? He's called many from our midst. Church, you might be next. But you can't know unless you're listening.
unless you're obeying. Some of us say, what is, what is your will? They, we talk to God just as plainly. What is your will for my life? I was thinking of this as I was finishing this message. And I had some people talk to me about their situations this week. And God began to deal with me. And I was going to put this in the right thing. But I decided as I wrote it, I would share it. You saw me before I was born. That's what the psalmist says in chapter 13. You see, the psalmist wrote, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book from the moment was laid before a single day had passed. God had recorded everything. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God, the psalmist says in 139, 16 through 17. If we want to know God's will, if you want to know God's will for your life, you should pray this prayer. Lord, you know me completely before I was born. You've shaped me and destined me for your purpose. Give me a clear vision of all you want me to do in thought and in prayer in my life. I desperately need to understand what the calling is, what the hope of my calling is. Show me the gifts you have you have put in me and how I can develop and use them for your glory. As he tells us in Romans 12, 6. Help me to think big and to pray with boldness as he tells us in Ephesians 3, 20. I want to be open and available for whatever you have for me and not miss your blessings by being unprepared to receive them. Help me not to hold on to the things are relationships that are not of you. I want to do your will with my whole heart, as the psalmist tells us in 40 verse 8. Only you know what is right for me. Help me to hear your voice and to give me grace and encourage me to follow your leading when I'm afraid. As John tells us in 10.4. You see, the desire of your heart to become the desire of his heart should enlarge your capacities to believe what he can do because he can multiply it far beyond what you could ever imagine. That's the God we serve. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Ask him, because he wants to tell you. He wants to show you. Most of all, he wants to lead you. And church, he won't lead. He's not a gentleman who just is going to force himself on you, but he will lead you if you ask him. But you have to surrender to him first. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord God, this morning that you have our interest at heart. Lord, I pray this morning, let us be a people with not unclean lips. Lord, for 
you have purged our iniquities on the cross. Lord, I pray this morning that each of us that are here this morning, Lord, let us pray with diligence, Father, that your will would be done in our life. Father, as you used Isaiah, use us. Commission us, Lord Jesus, with the boldness, with the ability to speak your name in every situation. To go before a people and declare the word of the Lord. That you, Lord God, want to use us as instruments to bring others to the cross. Lord, I pray this morning with all sincerity, let us be a humble people. Let us be humble. Let us not be prideful. Let us not boast. But Lord, let us be humble according to your word. Reaching out with humility to touch the lives of people who need to be touched. This morning you might be here and you're saying, Pastor, I want to do just that. But there are things about my life that I haven't straightened out yet. And I need to get them straightened out. I'm not saying that you're here this morning and your life's wrecked with sin. But what I'm saying is there may be some things in your life that's holding you back from declaring with boldness the word of the Lord. And if that's you, I want to pray with you this morning. Just simply slip up your hand and I'll pray for you this morning. Father, use us today. Use us as your vessel, as your instrument to be used for the glory of God. Lord, I pray this morning as we go our way from this place today, may we be ever mindful of the words of Isaiah. Let our hearts burn with the desire to share with our community how much you love them. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for this that we ask today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.